This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Time to talk about the junior circuit, the AFC. It's uh, it's nice. It <laughs> the young so guns. It, yeah, the young guns. Yeah. So if we if we talk about like if you listen to this one first, this might be first in your feed because alphabetical. Or is that what we're going to do this? But I, I truly so, have no idea how my podcast I know, feed I know. works. But it's great. But it's great. No, talking about the AFC. This one's got some uh, some more juicy juicy games for us. Super wild card weekend. Ready to get after it. If you guys have not, please go listen to the NFC version of this podcast, which should already be available in your feed. Really enjoyed breaking down those games. Do the same thing here. Talk about all three games. We're going to go in chronological order. Let's start with the Jags hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, a prime time home game in Duval County. People are going to be wasted. I am yeah. very much <laughs> looking forward to it. Saturday, 8.15 p.m. in Jacksonville, Florida. Really fun matchup. Yeah. Uh, you and I, I think, have taken a shine to this Jacksonville Jaguars team throughout the season, especially on offense. It's been such a fun pairing to watch what Trevor Lawrence has done with Doug Peterson. And you saw it all year. You know, the underlying efficiency numbers with this Jags offense have been good since the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Weird red zone turnovers, some bad luck, some bad stretches on defense. Looked like this was going to be another season from hell. They get red hot at a certain point, string together a few wins, have that miracle game against the Ravens mm-hmm. and kind of kick th- kick things off. Some stinkers mixed in there. They got absolutely (laughs) snuffed out by the Lions. But get themselves to a week 18 play-in game with the Titans. Take care of business. Mm -hmm. And now we have one of the most exciting ascending young quarterbacks in the NFL in the playoffs against another team that has inspired the opposite sort of feelings, I think, for me this season, where (laughs) the Jags have been this feisty upstart that have been fun to get behind. The Chargers have been frustrating at times. They've been maddening at times. Uh, I think a lot of people, including me, heaped some pretty large preseason expectations on them, felt like they were going to fall short. Then, again, through some miracle, when it seemed like they were dead in the water around (laughs) Thanksgiving, their defense gets really hot. They get healthier on offense, get their receivers back, and they manage to get in. And now we have a matchup between, I think, two teams born of the football internet, two teams that nerds can get behind, and two of the most exciting, most enjoyable young quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely. It's... You're referring to that no one will probably be sober at this game, and it's that's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party is usually hosted the Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville. It's kind of our own world's largest outdoor cocktail party is watching these <laughs> quarterbacks play. <laughs> I'm going to be having drunk with fun on that Saturday show. Not actually drunk, but I'll be I'll be levitating probably after watching these quarterbacks. But no, I, I agree. If you That's what's so funny with the NFL season, just the ebbs and flows of it. And then one week, it just seems like the bomb's falling out. Sometimes it's there's kind of a line like you watch film all 22 as coaches or players and it's always not as good as you see as it seems and not as bad as it seems it's felt the same way with these teams at times and but if you told us in august hey 
The Jags and the Chargers are facing each other, you know, first week of the playoffs. Jags won the AFC South. Chargers are the first wild card team. You know, uh, look at who's playing for them. You know, the Chargers face some injuries, but Joey Bosa's playing again and Mike Williams is banged up. But, you know, that's Keenan Allen's back at least. And the Jags made the playoffs and they had a sneaky defense with, you know, really ascending Trevor Lawrence. We'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about right. Yeah, but we get behind that. Sure didn't feel that way <laughs> for plenty of these, funny, funny chunks of this season. But, uh, no, I'm. I'm really this is probably the game I'm most excited to watch uh is this game because talented teams but flawed which I think is always a lot of fun because you know you get kind of not only just the schematic who's going to take advantage is there which stars are going to step up what role players are going to step up who's not going to shine who's going to get picked on by the opposing teams um playoffs happen your weaknesses become even more glaring so I'm beyond excited for this game uh I think it's going to be a really really fun one All right Let's start with the Jags offense against the Chargers defense. Love number you. one thing you're looking for on that side of the ball. Um, number one thing is the interior of the Jags line. And, and uh, I think that it's not a str- strength for them right now. They got Sheriff, but you know, they, if you watch that Titans game, you see Trevor starting to get heated up as the, the game started going along and maybe some, some of the woes started to happen with that. That was after the Troy Aikman, Trevor Lawrence should never throw the football again, miss uh, that he had in the end zone. So after that, but why I'm saying that is the Chargers interior, their line is not their strong suit as, as well. Um, you have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the outside. Uh, yes, that that is an issue. But I think Trevor is better at mitigating that. I also think the Jaguars offense being so uh, the time to throw is usually shorter because they throw a lot of shorter passes to the sides. They throw a lot of screens. They kind of mix in every, there are a lot of movement throws. I think that is a good way to you know nullify this rush of Bosa and Mac that can give a lot of tackles issues on the outside. What I am really curious to watch is third and fourth down with these two teams. Uh, Brandon Staley has been in his bag lately and has been a very fun uh, back to like, oh, wow, this is interesting to watch and in different ways, especially on third and fourth down than I would expect out of this defense, this Chargers defense, I want to see what he leans into this game against the Dolphins game. He led lead into some different coverages. Every game, he kind of is very game planning with his stuff. I'm curious against this Jags defense because I or Jags offense. I think one thing that they might have a real big advantage of, and it's going to sound niche, but it matters, is Derwin James as a blitzer going against Travis Etienne or or Hasty as a pass protector. And I think that is a huge advantage. James has an advantage over most running backs. Travis Etienne has improved as a pass protector. He's still below average as far as his eyes and as far as his as being a protector um, and both things. So as he has improved, well, that's interesting to me because if you want, they do want to start attacking down the field, the Jaguars, and, and maybe trying to find some play action plays or some plays down the field where they have to actually protect that's a way to get after them is make their running backs protect. Hey, let's have one of the best blitzing safeties, if not the best blitzing DB in the entire league. Let's get them. Let's get after them. Maybe heat them up in that way as well. So I'm really curious if they lean into that, if they lean into more pressures. Um, I think that's going to be one matchup I'm really excited to watch. How they try to get after the quarterback is my biggest question. Yeah. Whether that's sending a lot of pressure because they have. You know, this is a team under Brandon Staley that has blitzed a ton this season and so blitzed much. a lot more than he had at previous stops. Chargers are sixth in the NFL in blitz rate, thirty-five percent of dropbacks this season, according to Next Gen Stats. Wow. Which that's that was not his mo no. when he was coming from Los Angeles. They blitzed a decent amount last year, 
but they're blitzing even more now. And some of the pressure stuff they're doing is some of the most interesting things that are happening on that defense and on that team right now. Mm-hmm. And in the first game between these two teams, Lawrence was pressured at the second lowest rate of his career, 12.8% of his dropbacks. So how do they try to heat him up? Do they decide we need to bring pressure or do they feel like with Bosa and Mac, Bosa played 13 snaps last time these two teams played, we can get after him because the Chargers over the last month of the season have the highest sack rate in the league on non-blitzes. So do they show pressure and bring four just Mm -hmm. to kind of give it that one extra Mm -hmm. beat just to make him think one more? And I want to see how they're going to use Derwin as part of that plan, not just as a blitzer, but do we see him around the line of scrimmage a little bit more if they're trying to play some man coverage and him covering Everett Ingram? Ingram. Because I think Ingram is such a matchup problem for a lot of defenses around the league, but the Chargers have somebody that I think is uniquely equipped to handle him. And that, outside of the blitzing, is probably the most staggering difference that we've seen from the Chargers under Brandon Staley this season. They're playing cover one about 28% of the time, which is the eighth highest rate in the league. If you go back to 2020, they played zone 81% of the time on those Rams teams. So that this defense looks a lot different than the different. Staley defense yeah. that we talked so much about a couple of years ago. So do they lean into that a little bit and say, we're going to play some man because we think that we have a guy who can erase what is often one of your best matchups. And we'll see what Bryce Callahan can do against Christian Kirk in the slot, because that's how the Jags have been creating a lot of their vertical shots is Kirk on those slot fades mm-hmm. and from those inside alignments. Callahan is a decent answer to that. And do the, the Chargers feel comfortable with that matchup? So I'll be curious to see that. And that's a great point. I mean, even thinking of week 18, when does Trevor go to those slot fades? When he thinks he has a matchup advantage. What if he thinks Trey it's Avery, Imani Hooker. Yep. yep. He's smart. He knows when to attack. But what if it's all neutral? <laughs> what if, you know, uh, do I have an advantage there? Oh, I, I think I do. I'm going to try it. But, you know, maybe they don't all win. But that's a great point. I think um, another thing is the Chargers are pretty damn good at defending screens which is a great, a huge part of the Jags offense. Uh, they have that Andy Reid to them where ton of tight end screens, ton of running back screens, ton of motion screens. If Jamal Agnew's in the game, he's getting the freaking ball. Um, that was one of the most, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I watched this game. Sorry, sidebar. I know not everyone looks at every tweet that I put out there, but it was just, <laughs> I was just sifting through stats and I'm watching the Jags game. I'm like, man, when Agnew's in there, he gets the freaking ball. And I'm just curious what it looks. I, I created a stat, which is targets and design rushes per snap agnew if all players offensive players with 100 more snaps or receivers and tight ends with 100 more snaps agnew is by far getting tar- potential touches is what i'll call it more than anyone it's a bunch of like you know it's like tyreek hills at like in the low 20s 20 percent agnew's at like 34 percent like one out of three times he's on the field he's getting a, the ball Sorry, that's just a sidebar. I just think that's really funny. Um, I think that is really funny. Yeah. I mean, they they create those for him, whether it's reverses or pitches or screens or in the first matchup in week three, they put him in the slot, let him go to work on Kenneth Murray. Like there's plenty of examples in different areas. And and on the the flip side was Manhurts is like uh, the second lowest uh, (laughs) potential touches per snap. He's like 1%. Yes, it's him. Chris Manhurts at number 84. So it was him and uh, Mercedes Lewis, I think it was. And like Jack Stoll for the Eagles. But uh, but anyways, but uh, I think I, I think that's what you're taking that card away, not taking the card, but you're going to make it hard for them. So I'm curious if they do go to man, which is a great call. Who does Trevor target? Does he try to go to Zay Jones? Is a Marvin Jones pinning it on him? Those are less 
Evan Ingram's got a lot of advantages on linebackers and safeties that try to guard him. He's so freaking fast and pretty strong. So he can just run away from a lot of guys. You're taking that away. That's interesting. Um, the other thing, I think the Jags are really, we, we talked about this Chargers defense. The one thing that stays the same, they're not that great against the run. Jags have to find those explosive runs. Um, all those motions, get the linebackers communicating, get their, uh, capture their eyes. I think we're going to see some movement throws from Trevor as is always get those linebackers going every which way, get the, attack the interior some way, shape or form. So I think that's where the Jags are going to attack. I think they, they do a good job of trying to find them, but finding those ETN explosive runs, I think that's going to be huge for them. No team in the NFL by next gen stats info has allowed more runs on outside runs this season over expectation than the chargers. The Jags were third in rushing yards over expectation on those plays. And you can see feel that when edge. you watch both of those teams. <laughs> watch ETN get to the edge in a second. In a blink, um, place he shouldn't even be bouncing. And he bounces in and it actually works because he's just so freaking explosive. One small difference on this side of the ball that I think is worth pointing out. Kyle Van Noy played 15 snaps as an off-ball linebacker when they played in week three. He hasn't played more than five in a game since then. Okay, He has become much more of a front four player. They have Tranquil and Murray mm-hmm. as those guys off the ball, and I think they've benefited from that, yeah. from have figuring out their personnel. So I think that their defense in general has figured it out a lot since then. Too. You know the way that Michael Davis has been playing for them outside. I think they have yes. a lot of answers. You know this defense has been really good over the second half of the seasons, especially the one number that really jumped out to me. Chargers are 20th in the NFL in EPA per dropback and base defense. Not surprising. Okay. They're first in nickel. Makes sense. So if you're playing yep. a lot of 11 personnel, is that an advantage for the Chargers in this game? If you're going to do some of that heavier personnel under center play action, the way that we saw them score that touchdown mm-hmm. against Tennessee in that need to have it game, do we see more examples of that with them playing with tendencies, getting man hurts on the field and throwing it, those kind yep. of ideas? Well, that gets Bosa or Mac out as a coverage guy. If you do that, that's that that's what you're doing. So, no, that's a great call. Listen to our NFC pod. Uh, it's it's a theme. It's getting to some of these defenses, these you know Staley Fangio defenses especially. Get them in base. It, it just makes them less exotic. It just makes them more predictable with what they do. All right, other side of the ball. Your favorite aspect of the Chargers offense against the Jags defense? Um, I, I think it's going to be a Keenan Allen in the slot game. I would 100% I, I, agree with you. <laughs> um, the Jags are not good guarding the slot. Uh, their second worst defense by his past success rate against targets to the slot players, bottom five in EPA. I think that is where um, I think the Chargers sh- should be. If I were, I, I would talk about team games, especially in the playoffs, how they have to have a complete team game plan, offensive defense playing complementary football is what coaches like to say, especially coaches 60 or and older uh, they like to say. But I, I think that, they should be chucking it. That's how I would go against this this defense is chuck it. Chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, chuck it. And this is actually like, hey, Lombardi, you want to do that quick game stuff? Go for it. Um, I think that is how you go about it. Get Keenan Allen in the slot. I think they have a huge advantage there. I think you if they whatever rookie linebacker they trot out there, if it's Devin Lloyd or Chad Chad Mumma, Muma, is that you have an advantage there. They're one of those players might end up being okay, but their eyes are not great. So Chargers don't do a lot of at the snap motion, you know, not the jet motion stuff and all that. How they can get to that is play action, uh, naked screens. Um, also, uh, not the jet motion, I'm sorry, but uh, split zone, capture those eyes in some way, shape, or form. I think that's how the Chargers offense has to get after this Jags defense. Personnel wise, the biggest difference between where the Chargers are at right now and where they were in week three, Keenan Allen did not play. 
Corey right. Lindsley did not play. Right. And the difference when Corey Lindsley plays in pass protection is huge <laughs> for this Chargers <laughs> team. And he is such a stabilizing force for them. You don't so, realize it until you see it again. Like we, you, you know it, but then you don't. Once you see the differences with some of these players coming back, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That does especially matter. Especially when it's a high-level center. Especially yes. when it's a high-level center and somebody who's as smart as Corey is. Yeah. And I think I totally agree with you in the Keenan Allen stuff because the Jags have figured out their personnel defensively. Yep. So you look at the last game where they really got ripped apart against the Lions. Trey Herndon didn't play in that game, who's now their slot corner. Andre Sisco didn't play in that game. Since then... They have tweaked things on the back end of their mm-hmm. defense. Darius Williams has moved outside. They mm-hmm. have Tyson Campbell, who's been really, really good in his second season. And now Trey Herndon is in the slot full time now. Yes. And you have Cisco and Rayshon Jenkins there on the back end. And Wingard plays a little bit. But that's their starting nickel personnel. That's better than it was for most of the season when they had Williams inside and they were really struggling. But you go back to that Dallas game. If you have somebody in the slot that you like, Trey Herndon is still somebody that you can go after. That's yeah. what the Cowboys did with CeeDee Lamb, and that's exactly what I expect the Chargers to do with Keenan Allen. Let's make sure we're attacking the middle of the field, high lows, just going after that area consistently. Because on the outside, even with Mike Williams playing, even if he does play, Trey, Tyson Campbell followed him in mm-hmm. week three. That's a matchup that I think the Jags can feel pretty good about. But over the middle of the field, against tight ends and just that area, we saw even what a Titans passing offense that has no teeth right now could do against the Jags every so often. Now you get Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert. So that's a little bit better. (laughs) It is a little bit better. And I also think, too, why I I mentioned, too, is that chucking the ball is not only just that slot matchup that they have, is that I think the Chargers offense is at a huge disadvantage in the run game. Um, I, I think especially on the outside, Eckler, a fantastic player. He can run every type of run, short yards, not so much, but you know, he, he'll go through the interior, but you're not getting the outside against this Jags defense because, you know, you either got Trevon Walker or Josh Allen dominating tight ends and the Chargers tight ends are not great at run blocking. So I think outside runs are going to have difficulty getting going. Um, and then, you know, you see the Chargers interior, of their offensive line against that Jaguars defensive line that can really heat you up. So, Arden Key and the pass rush, uh, pass rushing stuff. They have to focus on that on passing downs. But I just think that they're going to have a little tough sledding trying to run the ball against this Jags defense. Then that's why you'll see a lot more of that kind of nickel and dimey passing with Keenan Allen getting heated up a lot. I would love to see them play with a decent amount of two tight end looks. The Chargers use twelve personnel eighteen percent of the time this season, which is exactly league average. Eighteen point one percent of the time, exactly league average. So I would love to see them in 12 personnel and break it apart, put Gerald Everett at the two spot, have yeah. Keenan Allen at the three against That's base defenses and see what you can, how much work you can do with yeah. that sort of look because I think that's an advantage for them. Any way you can try to create matchups like that in the yeah. middle of the field, I, I think is how I would go about this for the Chargers. I would too. Yeah, and that's a great call. And just, again, getting those linebackers. Foy, uh, I don't know, I can't even say his last name. Foy Aluakon. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he no, he's a good run defender. Pass pass defense. He's okay. Uh, even run defense. He kind of he 
pads the stats a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I brought this up on our all pro show, like the tackle success rate, like how many percent, what percentage of your tackles led to a successful play for the defense. Why I created this stat was because of Foy was because last year I was like, man, he went, he had a lot of tackles, but not a lot of them were seven yard gains and eight yard gains. But I think why I'm saying that is what you're talking about. Keenan Allen at three, Everett at two or vice versa. It's that interior or a rookie linebacker. They, they can get a matchup there that that's very advantageous for them. I Staley this season, especially over the last month or so, has become another one of those guys. And he's always been one, but I think it's been a reminder that I just want to see what his plan is. Yeah, I, I want to see what how very he wants to attack a team. Yeah. I want to see what yep. he sees in them, and we've seen him do some weird stuff. Think about the Dolphins game. Think yep. about what they did against the Niners. The fronts they were playing against the Niners just <laughs> all over the place, wonky Wacko. shit. So what they decide to do against what is also a, a unique offense. It is. You know, the Jags and the way that they approach things is different. With the, yep. All the motion and all of just the bells and whistles that it's they the use. It's the bolo punch. It's the bolo punch offense. That's what it is. I, it's a fascinating matchup and, and one is. that I'm really going to enjoy. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Next one here, Dolphins going to Buffalo. Bills are 13-point favorites, which is just kind of a bummer. I, I think that's my thought going into this game is just that Tua not playing and both what he's dealing with health-wise, which we can talk about, and what that means for this game is deflating. You had this matchup between these two teams in week 15, I believe, that was phenomenal. Going back and forth and kind of the haymakers that they could bull trade. And I thought, man, if we see another round of this, that would be awesome. And then you just see what the Dolphins offense looks like with Skylar Thompson. And it's a different beast. And that's kind of what it feels like is that it's hard not to look at this game and be a little bit let down considering what the last matchup between these two teams looked like. That's exactly it. It just, 
I know it, it's that that element. Even though the Dolphins have started to, they were tweaking their offense under two of the last few weeks. You still want that element, the RPO element, that that quick hitting element that he can bring, and. It's like, yeah, you could say, oh yeah, anyone can do that. It's riding a bike with those receivers. Well, obviously it's not when you <laughs> when you're watching Skylar Thompson go in there and trying to do those same exact things. So I, I agree. It, it's a bummer. It's um yeah, anything in the playoffs, you want to see these guys going fully, full fledged. You want them at it, like going at it, not just schematically, but just personnel wise and health wise. It just sucks. It just really does stink because I actually did think he would bounce back for this playoff game. I was really excited, especially what the Dolphins were doing to this Bills defense um in that last matchup. I think now you have to have questions about his long-term health, you yep. know, when he should play again, what that outlook is. And that's scary. It's it scary is. for him. And, and it's, I think it's going to leave the Dolphins with some real questions that they're going to have to answer about how they handle that position moving it, forward. It may, I, it may be start it, looking up like all the guys that retired because of concussions. Like Troy Aikman yeah. had, he said he had eight official ones. Two has had three in a season. That's, that's starting to get into scary territory. And it, yeah. it, it stinks. It really stinks because he's starting to come along. So let's try to build a path for the Dolphins offense against this Bills defense, even with Skylar Thompson in there. And that's another part of this. They did invest in a backup quarterback this year. It was Teddy Bridgewater, and (laughs) Teddy Bridgewater now can't play. (laughs) So if you're trying to build a case for why the Dolphins offense will be able to do something against this Bills defense, even with Skylar Thompson in there, where would you start? The, the Dolphins all year uh, have been getting a 21 personnel with a fullback with Al Gingold, and they, but they would change up the looks, much less like the 49ers with Juice Check. They, now I'm worried how I say Juice Check because that guy's tweet. Uh, they, <laughs> but the, now with the Dolphins, they, they, they did the same thing. Why I'm mentioning that is against this Bills defense, especially in that last matchup, was they were using that 21 personnel, but getting into straight up eye formation. Just old school, and you remember that with Mike McDaniel that he is a Shanahan guy. Is oh yeah, I formation. Let's get into this. The Bills defense, they play nickel. They run sub defense against any look that you give. I formation stuff is not their strong suit. Like that is it's just the body type wise. Um, they're very aggressive up front. Their guys are gap shooters. That's how they teach their defensive line. That can get manipulated with down blocks like trap plays, pin pull plays, because, all right, let's pin them as they get upfield. Let's just get around them. Puts a lot on their linebackers. They don't have to worry about the RPOs as much. But this Dolphins offense that leaned more into straight run plays, um, their last matchup in week 15, 24 snaps to 21 personnel. Bills match with nickel on every single one of them. They had their worst rush success rate as a defense the entire season against that Dolphins team, 41% compared to 61% usually. Over half of their runs that they faced, or half of the Dolphins' runs, I should say, went for five or more yards. They're just 7.52 yards per carry. Yeah, just churning it on them. Old school eye formation, lead zone, you know, all that type of run, those run plays. And it makes sense. The Bills defense, even though they've changed it up a little bit this year, they like to stay in two high structures. They like to be in nickel. Just not a good matchup. Dolphins were leaning this way anyway, so which made me optimistic even after that Chargers game. I was like, wow, they could still do the pin or still do the RPO stuff and the shot play stuff. Now they're getting into that kind of straight run game. I think they have to build the whole boat out of it. That that's what I think this game plan has to be. Run it 40 freaking times and take those dozen to 15 shot plays where they can't, you know, those safeties start creeping up. That's usually the tendency is all right, they start at 14 yards, now they're at 12 yards, now they're at eight yards trying to fill the run, then hit them over the top. That has to be, I think, their game plan. They can't just chuck it over and over. They can't do RPOs over and over. I think that's what they do. Straight run, old school play action, wad it up, and chuck it after that. 
0.42 EPA per carry last game. That's more effective than Patrick Mahomes is Yeah, on, on his average throws. That's how well the Dolphins ran the ball in that game. But that's how well the Dolphins ran the ball when Buffalo is trying to stop one of the most explosive passing games in the league. Correct. Is this just a different game plan? Do we see another guy in the box? Do they feel like they can stack it a little bit more often? Because they're not as afraid, even with Tyreek and Waddle out there, about what Skylar Thompson can do to them on the outside. So it, unfortunately, the plan starts to unravel a little bit when you take Tua out of the equation. And the other part that's out of the equation, Raheem Mostert's not going to play. So Which, having a yeah. guy who can rip off that 17-yard gain every time there's an sliver of daylight right. is a big part of this formula and now he's not even going to play so it's just harder and harder to find a path to how this is going to lead to a lot of points or enough points yeah. for miami so let's go to the other side of the ball can they potentially turn this thing into a rock fight enough <sighs> to muddy it up and get there they did the first game the first time they played against each other and they Blitz the crap out of Josh Allen, 43% of third and fourth down snaps, I think it was. And then week five, week 15, they didn't blitz a single time on third and fourth down. They say, you know what? We're tired of making our – because the Dolphins kept getting free runner after free runner after free runner on these blitzes. And Josh Allen would juke one guy, and there goes the ostrich. There he goes running. like, And that's what it was. So week 15, they're like, we're not going to do it. We're going to make you try and beat us in some other way. And, you know, they were – they did okay. You know, Josh Allen's going to be Josh Allen. Um, the thing is also is the, the Bills offense, and I keep saying this, is they've complimented or have complimented their play calling. Ken Dorsey for the last kind of, especially the half, last half of the season, was their changing of personnel. So using more 12 personnel. Um, Quentin Morris is playing a good chunk of snaps. Sometimes it's the only tight end now, which I think is really interesting. They're doing a ton of jumbo. Uh, they're using hip formations at two tight ends. It almost looks like what the Cowboys do, just with a little worse personnel um, at those positions. The Dolphins, though, are really, really good at stopping the run out of base defense, uh, but they're more middle of the pack stopping the pass. Bottom 10 when defending play action when they're in base, and that's what the Bills love to do. They they get into those heavier looks. They're, they they get into heavier looks to play action past you and hit shot plays against you. That's what Josh Allen's gotten really good at. So it's kind of, I know we're supposed to be building a game plan of those Dolphins defense. It's like, shoot, the Bills got some pretty good answers against this Dolphins defense. Um, but I also think, you know, they also give a huge, a huge amount of big plays to scrambles from the QBs. And that's from being so blitz happy, just that instance I brought up from week three. So. I know I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the ways. I think they are going to make it tough to run the ball on you on, on them, but they still have to defend the pass for 60 minutes, and they have to defend the scrambles of, for 60 minutes against Josh Allen. So it is going to be tough. I'm just curious if they lean into the not blitzing or the heavy blitzing, uh, because I think that's going to be what they are trying to do. Heavy blitzing and man coverage, man. That that's where that, that's where, I, that's where that I'm at. I just think you got to kind of catch him one, two, three times. What? Which game did they do better in? When they blitz a bunch or when they didn't blitz a bunch? It's when I they think blitz you have a bunch. To. And you yeah, see, the yeah, numbers bear to. that out this season. I yeah. mean, when teams play man and blitz them, that that is where they have been worse he this year. Great against the blitz, it's this, yeah. that that has not been their strength this year. By the way, you mentioning him making guys miss in the pocket and making something happen. I wanted to bring up the stat because it's I think it's truly one of the craziest stats in the league this year. Josh Allen, when pressured this season, mm-hmm. has averaged 0.1 EPA per drop back. I'm going to put this in context. He's the, he's the only quarterback that is in positives 
<laughs> no, no, one, no one else is in a positive territory. Yeah. The average is negative 0.35, which oh would God. be worse than Sam Ellinger over the course of the season. So the average quarterback when pressured is Sam Ellinger average. this year. The average. Josh Allen is at 0.1 when pressured. That's the same as Joe Burrow is on all dropbacks all year. <laughs> That's an amazing stat. Hey, Professor Chaos, man. <laughs> he thrives in it. It's crazy what he yeah. has been able to do with a free runner, with being able, with getting forced off of his spot. That's why he's just such a pain in the ass. Oh because God. even when you have him dead to rights, it just doesn't seem to matter sometimes. Uh, that that stat is I, I've I've heard it in some way, sh- like some forms this year. I wanted to look it up in with the numbers that we have. It's crazy. Like, it's absolutely crazy. It is, that's that's actually an insane stat. But that's that's what he does. He makes like three guys miss, and then he's scrambling or he's throwing some thirty yard laser. And it's, it's not only that. It's again, it's the switch of not taking negative plays. But he doesn't just make it a non-negative play. He doesn't just make it an efficient play. He makes it an explosive play. So it's like it's just a double whammy. It's like his own offensive version of a pick six. <laughs> that's basically what he does. Among forty-seven quarterbacks this season. Josh Allen is 29th in EPA per drop back when blitzed right between Davis Mills and Joe Flacco. Yeah. So I think you just have to force the issue. You have to. With them right now. When you're the lesser team, I think you have to seek out those splash plays. It, in the playoffs, and I hate to sound like this basic sometimes, is when you close your eyes, what's the weakness of the Bills' offense? To me, it's their offensive line. How do yeah. you attack an offensive line? Blitz the shit out of them. And yeah. and you know, which, again, this is team football. We are not. We talk about all these stats. The coaches should not care. We, they could throw for 20 yards as an offensive coordinator and be like, we won the game. Cool. All right. We know what our mm-hmm. offense is. We know we have Skylar Thompson back there, a quarterback wearing 19, alarm bells, alarm bells. So it is now. So what do we do on defense? Let's heat them the hell up. What we got it because otherwise you're just dying a slow death. Wouldn't you rather just get it done quick? You know, better to better to burn out than to fade away. Like I think that's kind of how they have to go about it. They really do. I also think the one area where personnel wise the Dolphins have an advantage there is the Dolphins front is better than the. Oh, Bill's yeah. offensive line. And you saw that in the first game. Zach Sealer made a couple big plays. Well, Christian Wilkins think, made a couple big Wilkins plays. against those guys. Yeah. Yeah. They, the interior of the Dolphins offensive line against the interior of the Bills offensive line is an area where the Dolphins will consistently win. And yeah. I think that if you're trying to build upsets, instances Aggression. where there is a mismatch up front is often where those things start. So that, yes. that's where I would probably start with this one. It's, that's what you always say. They can block anybody. Oh, so and so got heated up every play. That's usually how it goes. So that is one way. That's one way they can get get after it. I'm glad you brought up though that Josh Allen has been great at splits because that's it's been consistent throughout the year. It's it's because their plan usually is, hey Josh, go miss somebody because sometimes he's not going to find the hot throw that he has to. So that's how they have to get it, and that could be chaotic. That could be I have a little high variance. So that's why that happens that way. One more injury note: Teron Armstead also has missed the last two games. He is not practicing. So just one more piece potentially missing from that Miami offense. I was excited okay. about this game. I, I still know, am at the playoffs. I'm still juiced about every playoff game, but yeah, kind of lost a little it, bit. Of it is a bit of a letdown, and let's continue the letdowns. The Bengals hosting the Ravens Sunday night. And it looks by all indications that Lamar Jackson is not going to play in this game. And I don't know about you. This feels weird to me. 
It does. Like what's happened with them over the last five or six weeks? The tone of the conversation after he got hurt, when you listen to those John Harbaugh press conferences early on, said, yeah, you know, a couple weeks, he'll be back. Yeah. And now we're into the playoffs. It's been a month and a half and he's still not ready to go. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means about his health. And I don't know what it means about the outlook for how those contract negotiations are going to go. It just feels like there's some frustration coming from the Ravens side of this when you listen to Harbaugh and kind of how he's talked about it over this stretch. And I just don't know what that means moving forward. And this is where the Lamar no agent thing comes in too, because every time say, hey, they finished practice and they're like, hey, Lamar, we got another offer for you. They're talking to Lamar. There's no yeah. there's no in between to like sugarcoat things or get that discussion. I'm not saying Lamar can't do it. I'm just saying that that's just the dynamics of the situation. Now he's hurt, and now they're like, hey, we want to hurry you back, but we also have to negotiate the contract as well. And Lamar kind of has the leverage there. He can go, I'm not, no, <laughs> like what what if I get hurt? Like you know, or get hurt more? I mean, it is weird because like like you said, I I saw PCL, and so I was like, okay. That's a couple of weeks, you know, okay. It's not MCL, you know, okay, ACL, of course, but, you know, PCL, right, we can come back. But the fact that it's been this long and it's kind of just everybody's kind of just shrugging their shoulders at it, it's, it is strange. I think, you, like you said, it's weird. And part of the issue is that they needed him to be able to go toe-to-toe with this Bengals team who is just playing extremely well. Always having answers. I am so impressed with where their offense is and just how many answers is the right word. How many answers they have. You go back and watch that week 18 game, which the Ravens defense was not at full strength, but played their guys, played all the guys that they had healthy. The one that really jumped out to me, they ran a little swing screen uh, early in the game to, I believe it was Hayden Hurst was the one that caught it. They threw it to him. Mm -hmm. And then they ran another one to Jamar Chase later where they just put him in motion Two, two receivers to that side, two blockers, get you the ball in space, let you go. And then later in the game, they had the perfect counter to it. They ran it again with Chase in motion. They had both the blockers slipped. The both guys were open. Burrow just misses the throw to T. Higgins. Should have been a touchdown. Yeah. And just there's one of those all the time where they have something that they're doing. They have a little pivot off of it, and it leads to an explosive play. And it's funny because we were so frustrated with the Bengals offense and with their their coaching staff and with the things that they were doing on that side of the ball for most of last season. And the way that I feel now is kind of the opposite. They have a quarterback who's finding every answer and a staff and a support system with the personnel that's feeding him more answers. And when you have that combination, oh boy, that has a lot to worry about. Well, and that, that we've talked about the big hang up with the Bengals or the big kind of leading discussion was, oh, their offensive line. Okay. They got to shore that up. And it wasn't ever offensive line coaching. It was offensive line talent because, and why I'm saying that is they're always just sound with what they do. There's never a time now, especially now this year, when I really appreciate all these adjustments they're making. Burrow has become, and I mean this, this is complimentary. This is not a derogatory. He's become a check down king. Because everybody was playing cover two against them. So he's like, screw it. I'm going to let those guys sink. And I'll check it down. Wow. Another eight yard gain. Look at that. Safety's card coming up. Now we hit the, now we hit the shot plays over the top. Why I'm bringing that up is the running back can get out 
because their offensive line always goes to the right guys. The running back is never wasted in protection. He's never hanging back there going, oh, who do, I don't know who, to, who do I have there. I'm just going to hang just in case somebody falls into my lap. No, they get out and they get to that four-yard check down route. That all matters. So even though I want to talk about the one adjustment they had in this game, the Week 18 game, uh, the Bengals will use a seven-man protection with their tight end and the running back. Classic Mike ID, tight end, got a guy, running back has a guy. I won't get into the specifics of it. But what was interesting to me was this was a mid-game adjustment that they showed. The Ravens were showing a double mug pressure. So that's two linebackers over the center or, or between the guard and center. And usually – offenses, how they protect is they have a running back walk up or a running back in the center have to navigate the twist or the potential twist that these guys can blitz. The Bengals went, we're in our seven-man protection. We're going to have the tight end walk up. Burrow's not throwing a Hayden Hurst on this play anyways. So we'll have the tight end walk up and the running back can free release now. It popped the Ravens' brains. Like They're like, uh, that wasn't what you're supposed to do. The running back's supposed to walk up. You can even tell how you know, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith are looking at each other because they didn't know who to come now because they were supposed to go off the running back. Just little tweaks like that. The touchdown, the chase was same thing. They, uh, the Ravens brought a cover zero or showing a cover zero. Burrow goes, okay, I'm going to check into a seven-man protection, and I'm going to run 989. They're getting to their favorite play with a safe protection and hitting one-on-one to Jamar Chase. It's simple football, but simple adjustments that it's clean. Everything they do is clean. So I, I'm really curious, though, is having said all that about the Bengals and, and what this offense has done, the Ravens were doing a really good job in week 18 of they were on top of some of the Bengals shit. Like they were they were kind of running routes for them. They were throwing more spot drop coverages, which I think Burrow was kind of going, what the hell is that? That's not match. That's not man. So guys were going to there's bodies in areas that he wasn't expecting. And that's why he was double clutching a lot. And I think that his is the number one thing to me yeah. is that can you put bodies in areas he's not expecting? Can you that's make it. him double clutch? Because how quickly he's operating right now it's unbelievable. and how fast he's making these decisions. I just think you have to do something wonky to make some color flash in front of him when he's not expecting it, whether that's some simulated pressures, some just straight blitzing maybe when he's expecting you to run some simulated pressure. They did not blitz almost at all in week 18, 11% blitz rate, 24% on the season. So yep. they, when they brought pressure, it was a lot of droppers. We'll bring in four unlikely four slots come in one defensive ends dropping out all that kind of stuff yep. do you bring a little bit more because maybe he's not expecting that do we just see a couple tweaks and a couple knobs turned in ways that they understand they're out man they understand they have to do something a little bit different yeah i, I think they have to <laughs> uh, because i mean this the uh, and i said this to you on the pre-show when I, I was watching this ravens defense it it's kind of because they've just kind of been trying to find their identity throughout the year. They found it early on, then they got Roquan Smith, and that changed it a little bit as well. They got healthier. Um, this week 18 game, especially, it looked like a Todd Bowles defense. And why I say that is not the blitzing, but the coverage wise, um, the spot drop uh, coverages, the quarters, the robber, the 5 0 looks where they would have a linebacker walked up to the line of scrimmage and making the Bengals defense declare 5 0. Um, they're showing. You know, showing man or cover three and rotating back to cover two, you know, having kind of the late disguises. I think those off speed pitches were really interesting that they were doing. They had a couple of drop eight coverages and it wasn't drop eight teams drop eight and they run two man or robber. Usually they went drop eight, ran spot drop cover three. And it burrows like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Cause he's like, why is this? That, why that's is what that? you have to do. You have to. So you because- have to do. And Spot drop because, is so basic, but it, it when you don't see it a lot, it kind of screws you up. Why is that linebacker flying out to the flat? Like that's what you have to do against this guy. 
I, I just think that you have to make him hold it for one more beat because the Bengals have offensive to. line, we talk about how much better they've been. The two backups just, in there. The right exactly. side of the Bengals offensive line has two backups in there right JPP now. JPP was getting after him a little bit. So yeah. can you, I mean, if Matabike in there, I mean, can yep. those guys on the interior get after a backup right guard and can you heat him up with four because you're making him hold the ball for yep. one second more? He's been have so to. good. If you vo- vacate space, he will find it. Yep. And so even with some of those simulated pressures, even if you're not bringing five, you're still vacating a space. Yes. And he that's why he's so good against those. So I just think, can you find a way to bring four, have bodies in coverage, do some late rotation stuff, just make him hold it for one extra second yep. and try to take advantage of that offensive line? I think it has to be the formula. That's exactly it. And and that's the curious thing with that week 18 game is like, were they showing stuff to play off of it or were they that's, showing their head? And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm curious about that. Freaking fascinated. Yeah, I am. Because they did some funky stuff that I'm like, now I'm like, okay, were they trying to hint something or trying to like really bait switch them? So it's it's that side of the ball. That's why this sucks without Lamar because this could have been a really interesting game, <laughs> especially on that side of the ball. Ravens are going to cut a couple guys back in this game. Marcus Peters uh, should play. He did not play in the week 18 game. And okay. neither did Brandon Stevens, one of their other yeah. corners. So yep. Daryl Worley got a ton of snaps for them at outside corner. He did his damnedest. He did fine. I, I, yes. He had a yeah. couple really nice plays. He, he had a did. play in cover two where he had, yep. he had a pass breakup. And you know, even the cover, the the t- uh, touchdown to Chase. They, so Marcus Peters is celebrating. Mark, you could see Marcus Peters celebrate when the ball was in the air because the coverage is so good and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It just doesn't matter. So that was, it was funny. And so hopefully you get Peters back, potentially Stevens back. You match up a little bit better on the outside because they did try to take advantage of Worley whenever they could, whether that was shots over the top or if he was giving them cushion, eating stuff up underneath. Mm -hmm. So I think being at full strength in the secondary is going to be really important. The one note about their secondary we always do this with these versatile defenders coming in from college. Like, oh man, where's he going to play? And you know, can he, he can do all these different things? And it's often, it doesn't play out that way. Sometimes it does. You know, Antoine Winfield and Derwin James, it does. But with a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who's 6'4", 220, it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. It seems like having him play in the slot and doing him yeah. all these different things might not be a great idea. Kyle Hamilton at 6'4", 220, has been the full-time slot corner for the Ravens for the past like month and a half. He's been great. And he's played really well. He's played great. He's he's great. He blew up the one screen. It was awesome because he he recognized the, the tackle. Like what the tackle was doing triggered him. You watch his eyes on it. So, hey, getting a smart, long player who can tackle and cover near the ball is pretty good formula <laughs> if he knows what he's doing because holy crap he's been a, he really has I, i've used this term a couple times to talk about other guys he's been a revelation there like him him at that slot spot's been really really fun <laughs> yeah and I'll, I'll be curious what, what sort of matches up they can create they they did a really good job with some trip stuff like bunch yeah. stuff getting tyler boyd you know one-on-one on some option routes can they do some of that against zone coverage but i think that's the matchup obviously that the ravens are going to have to win if they're going to yep. win this game i think it's going to have to be a 19 to 16 sort of affair where they get burrow a lot of problems maybe they get a turnover here or there yep. and if we're going to the other side of the ball i think that's where the formula has to start they cannot turn the ball over no that you week 18 the starting point being two interceptions in the first half of the game, you just can't have that. I think you no. cannot turn the ball over and 
you have to try to grind this thing out as much as possible. They ran the ball okay. And I think running the ball okay without turning the ball over, those are the first two pillars of what an upset would look like on that side of the ball. Yeah, you got control control the rock. <laughs> Just I mean, you do. Uh, they they have to. Uh, it's this is why it's such a Anthony Brown starting is such a shocker that even people that watched Anthony Brown in college are like he's starting in the NFL. Like that's that's the difference that's going on with this guy at quarterback right now. Uh <laughs> like Oregon fans are going like, "Really?" Really? He's starting a playoff game? Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, so it's a little different than even like Skylar Thompson or Brock Purdy uh, when we're getting to these situations. But that's what it has to be. That's kind of what this Ravens team is built like anyways. Lamar brings the other element that he's such a better pocket passer and then he's one of the most dynamic players in the league, explosive players in the league. The other thing too, the only stat that I really came across of, we've gushed about this Bengals defense so much, what they lean into. Now we get to see it after they just played them. And so where are they going to tweak off that? That's another what you gonna do, Lou? Lou's mystery box. What we got there? Um, the one stat I thought was super interesting, though, was the Bengals. As amazing as they are on defense, as much as I enjoy watching them, they freaking suck in short yardage, especially against the run. Uh, they on third and fourth down and one to two to go against the run. They they faced twenty nine designed runs overall this season. They have a twenty three percent success rate on defense. That's so surprising. I know. I and I at first I was like, oh, that's because DJ Reader missed time. That has to be it with DJ Reader. Nine design runs, six successful runs for the offense, which is not great. 33% is like bottom. Doesn't matter how you shake it. Without reader, 13 design runs, 12 su- successful plays for the offense, which is absurd. I know, but I, I've been really curious why that is. But yeah, they're not that great against it. So I originally was like, well, Lamar, Gus Edwards has a concussion. But I was like, Lamar and Gus Edwards are going to feed on that. They both, both are probably not going to be playing. So kind of takes that advantage a little bit or nullifies it a little bit. A lot is going to have to happen yeah. for us not to get Bengals bills in the divisional round. And that was typically the w- direction it was probably going to go. And when you think about how well those teams were playing, what they yeah. looked like all year, but now it's even tougher road. When you're playing two backup quarterbacks. It's just, again, it's deflating. It's just it a weird and unfortunate note on which to start the playoffs, but maybe, yeah. maybe they'll surprise us. Who knows? Yeah. We never know. Any given Sunday or Saturday or Monday. For super wild card weekend, <laughs> we might have that. But no, that's what it is. You never know with the playoffs, but it's just Bengals defense and Bills defense are both very good units, very smart units, very sound units with a lot of experienced players. So those aren't usually the ones that let up uh, upsets to third string, third string rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks. Speaking of Saturday and Sunday and Monday, <laughs> we have reaction pods coming your way. Saturday and Sunday night, we will have live reaction pods with me and nate on our youtube channel those will also be available as podcasts so when those are over come hang out with us we'll be chatting about them monday night we're not going to do a live reaction show but we are going to have a live podcast me and bob Sturm, who does a great job following the cowboys from dallas he's going to join me for a post-game pod that will be available in your feeds so we're going to have reactions to everything yeah. over the rest of this weekend. So please come check those out. If you have not listened to the NFC preview, that should be in your podcast feed right now. So please go do that. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you plan on coming to watch any of those reaction shows on Saturday there or Sunday. It's it's the time. It's the it's time fun. to do it if you have not. You can Chat's do fun. that in the description of this podcast. There should be a link to the YouTube channel. So please go do that. Please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that. And if you have not reviewed the podcast, 
I would love for us to get to 2,000 reviews on Apple Podcasts by the time we hit the Super Bowl. We're at like 1950. So it's year three. If you've been listening for a couple years, if you're a new listener, if you like the show, let us know. I I would consider it a personal favor to me. I would really appreciate it if you guys did it. So please go do that. And in the meantime, we really appreciate you listening. Enjoy the football on Saturday because we will be back on Saturday night to break it down. Talk to you guys soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.